1: Montana's on the Daily Sports Talk Show. Now's now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana television. I like football!
2: for one cannot wait we are one sleep away from getting playoff football here in the treasure state and what's even better than that we've got a double header tomorrow north dakota state taking on montana state in bozeman at 1 p.m and then the nightcap, montana and delaware at 7 p.m in washington grizzly stadium what's up everybody nuanez now 102.9 ESPN Missoula Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app coming to you live from the ESPN MT studios here in beautiful Missoula, Montana. Coltrane is out today. I'm Andrew Houghton, happy to be with you to bring an end to your week. And we've got a jam-packed show for you today on Nuanez Now. Uh, you'll still hear a ton from Coulter, so don't worry about that. Coulter, uh, he's talked about it a little bit this week. Big day for the big man getting married today. So congrats to uh, to my good friend Coulter Nwanez. Um, But he will be back on Monday to break down those playoffs games that we talked about as well as plenty more today on the show. Coulter Nuanez and Rajim Seabrook for a couple segments as well as a Grizz Hockey interview, Jeff Safford bringing you an interview with Grizz Hockey star Case Bulk. We'll hear from North Dakota State quarterback Cam Miller. Uh, really interesting interview, that one. Cam Miller's had a really great year there at North Dakota, or North Dakota State. I know he doesn't have some of the name recognition as some of the Bisons' previous quarterbacks, but he's a really good player. Montana State will have to deal with him tomorrow afternoon. Second hour? Of course, we've got Carolyn, the chick who doesn't know sports, to lead off the second hour. And then Colter Nuanez and Rajim Seabrook, again, to take you home. Happy you're here with us on a Friday. Again, Colter Nuanez out. Andrew Houghton and Jeff Safford from behind the glass, bringing in Nuanez now. We'll get things started. Colter Nuanez and Rajim Seabrook, not sure what these guys talked about. Probably a little NFL Probably a little college football as well, but I don't, I don't even know. So here you go. Colton is Rajim Seabrook. One of the funniest scenes. We've
0: been teasing for the last couple of weeks that <laughs> I've been stealing Mike Lombardi's line that Tommy DeVito's the shoeshine boy. <laughs> but that Tommy DeVito, the Giants' third-string turned first-string quarterback, Undrafted rookie. Undrafted Free rookie agent. out of Syracuse. He's from New York. Yeah. So they played their first home game, I think, since he's been the starting quarterback yeah. last weekend. Yes. And they won. They beat the Patriots. But the pregame where they were showing his dad and his cousins and all this stuff, it was so funny. And somebody asked one of his relatives, I think it was his uncle or something, like, what do you think about Tommy DeVito being the starting quarterback for the New York Giants and still living at home? And he was like, it's a way of life. The kid is 23 years old. He's unmarried. and He's Italian. Of course, he still lives with his mom. He's like, "You guys been around?" <laughs> I thought it was so great. It's like the people from that part of New York that have that heritage are probably like, "Yeah, duh, Delia lives with his mom. She's still making him the chicken parmesan." I'm like, Dude, yes. I'm from Brooklyn. Let me tell you,
1: like, you know how many of my buddies that's their situation? It's like they they've married. They've been. They've lived with two women in their life. Their mom. And their wife. That's right. Never had any other roommates. Didn't do any of that other stuff. If they get divorced. You know what they do? Back to mom. Back to mom. That's right. So yeah. So that it's a, it's a way of life. Well, it's a cyclical pattern.
0: So funny, man. That's why The Sopranos is one of the greatest shows ever. Because it is. It's it's so Absolutely. it's so just about a place, but also uh, a group of people. And you know, every time Tony goes to his mom's house, she's got some leftover eggplant. For him. it's just so funny, man. I I love it. Uh, how about this though? Proceed, for as bad as you've been actually hoping and wishing the Giants would just be straight up bad since they lost, you know, 40 to nothing to the Cowboys in the first week of the year. And then, you know, Daniel Jones breaks oh, his back. The and spokes just kept falling off oh, the wheel, Chico man. Jake Barkley's been in and out. Tyron Taylor gone uh, for the uh, year. Right. And, and here's the craziest part is the Giants, even though they're only four and eight— they're nowhere close to the worst team in the NFL. They're not no. even the worst team in their division. No, I mean Washington's, Washington's lo- garbage. Washington's garbage, and they not have no, Friday. they have no chance. I mean, I, I think that. I mean, Ron Rivera already knows he's he's on the hot seat because he was making mad moves. I mean, they fired their whole, they traded their whole defensive line, and then fired their whole defensive staff. So he knows he's on the hot seat. Rajim Seabrook, by the way, joining us here uh, on Nuwadis. I didn't even introduce D- you. Yeah, thanks for being here,
1: man. Um, th- thanks for the whack introduction, man. Like, school on a Saturday. <laughs> no class, folks. But,
0: I mean, the Giants and the Bears have the same record. And I would say the Giants are slightly better than the Bears, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Gi- <laughs> Sorry, I had to laugh at that. It's true, though, right? Well, what's better, garbage or trash?
0: The Giants are significantly better than the Carolina Panthers. They're oh, significantly yes. better than the Arizona Cardinals. So yes. They're... I would say better than the the Chargers right now. Cuz the Chargers are just reeling. I mean Titans and Giants is a coin flip. They got better record than the Patriots. They just beat the Patriots. I I mean it's just funny because or as bad as the Giants should be, and how they should be like fast tracking towards like a top three pick, they're just not. They're gonna go win like seven games, and they're gonna draft like eleventh or something.
1: Which sucks because it's like one that that's the kind of pick you either draft up or you draft you give away the house to go up in, in into the top ten, or you draft you uh, trade that draft pick to get a bunch of like later. First round draft picks and upper tier seconds. It's it's a it's a it's almost like a, a giveaway draft spot, if you will. Uh that eleven to sixteen spot is always that's always good um trade bait and, and fodder for those types of cannons. The other part to that though, Colter, it's I don't under, these other teams don't seem as bad because they have more household names than the Giants do, and it's like how are you winning with less talent? That's
0: true. I think the one thing that, there's a couple things that the Giants actually have.
1: Good defense. I, I do
0: think the Giants are good on See, defense. Palti. Uh Brian Dable, I think, even though he's sort of ridden the roller coaster, I think he is a good coach. And the Giants have better organizational stability. They don't have as good organizational stability as they used to have because they they were like the poster child, right? It was, it was the Patriots, the Giants, and the Steelers were the three most totally. stable organizations totally. in, in football. Totally. The Giants aren't quite there, but they're – I mean, what the heck is the guy in Carolina doing? He's fired the coach in season three times in the last five years. How do you expect anything to work if you fire guys after 11, 12, 13 games? I mean, this is back-to-back years fired. Matt Rule, first of all, I shouldn't have hired him. He's a college coach. Why'd you hire him? But then he fired him after 13 games. And then this year, they hired Frank Reich. They fired him after 11 games. It's like, what What are we doing here?
1: What you need to do with both Jacksonville, despite their winning record, and both Carolina, is combine them as one team and sell them and Go back to be a NASCAR country, okay? Like, there's just a, the there's a, right. there's a part there's a part of like the dysfunction of Carolina. It's not a football state for the for the professional they've level.
0: They've had moments where they've been good, though, right? I mean, Fl- they, I mean, they played the NFC Championship game in '96. Flash in the pan. They played the Super Bowl when they had Jake Delhomme. They said played the Super Bowl and they had Cam Newton. The
1: part no one wants to play there. True. No one wants to play there. Like you have money, you've got nice digs. Like it's North Carolina is a beautiful state. It's it's a great place, but it it, the the football culture there doesn't predicate it being a sustainable unit.
0: It's just washed out by. It's it's one of the only places where like college hoops just washes out everything. Everything. Tobacco Road is. I mean, that's it. Like everybody, Duke, North Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest. That's what everybody cares about, and it's hard to have a semblance of, of football. It's, it, it is interesting.
1: You know what we should do one day, To just ideas for the show? You know, I'm always trying to throw oh, pasta yeah. at your wall and see if it sticks oh, yeah. is is have like blindside, ask people, when I say this state or city, what's your instant Ooh, sport connotation yeah, with yeah. it? yeah. Because if you say Carolina, they're going to say mustard-based, barbecue, or college basketball.
0: Yeah, North Carolina. Yeah, they're going to Tar Heels. Tar Heels. Yeah, yeah totally. Or Blue, De- Blue Devils. Oh, totally. Yeah. I,
1: you just don't think football when you think Carolina. So I think that Carolina on its whole, despite it being a bad team, there's a there's a larger issue that looms for why they're bad. It's
0: so true. Rajiv Zibra kicking it with us. Yo. Here, uh, on to On is now ESPN Radio. As you listen to this, actually, this is... Uh, real time tripping out here because we're recording this on thursday morning you're listening to it on friday afternoon as you're doing this
1: uh it's a first and last culture that's it's right it's the last day of the month but it'll be broadcast on the first day <laughs> that's exactly twilight right. zone twilight
0: folks. zone i'm getting married as you guys are listening to this so that's <laughs> congrats baby here i am yep so as you guys are listening to me talk on the radio i'm actually uh standing along a remote lake somewhere saying i do so uh life comes at you fast but it's fun Uh, Okay, let's play a little Smarter Dumb. You're smart, I'm dumb. Game over. (laughs) Give me another quarter. Smarter Dumb. Yes. Josh Allen is no longer in the top tier of NFL quarterbacks.
1: I'm gonna say push. You just mentioned Brian Dable's name. Um, yes, they are both having withdrawal symptoms of each other. That's
0: so true, man. So to this me, this is what Coach Marty says. Coach Marty says that the juice that Josh Allen needs a like a a, 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 quarter, a quarterback whisperer. He does. Uh, Brett Favre sucked until Brett Favre got Marty Munaweg and Doug Peterson to uh, straighten him out, and then Brett Favre won three straight MVPs in the Super Bowl one year.
1: Well, and then the, the flip side to that coin is you know Brian Dable goes to New York, right. and Daniel Jones actually looks a, a, you know a, a skosh above the. Master of mediocrity, yeah. so but doesn't have the same physical traits or talents that a Josh Allen does have. Right. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say we we can we can hold on that because um, the attributes to Josh Allen are there. He just doesn't have the the support system around him to make him what we are uh, accustomed to outside of this year.
0: He's just like. Uh He's like the wild mustang that just needs to be reeled in a little bit, right? He's he's Brett Favre. He's faster and you know, he he's got the he's got all the the intangibles. intangibles. He just doesn't know how to
1: rein it in. I mean, like a young Brett Favre.
0: His baseline stats are exact I mean it's so revelatory, right? He's leading the league in touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. That's good. Great. He's leading the league in picks. That's bad. That's
1: bad. <laughs> you know, mind you, of Brett Favre, he he does, man, Benjo. he does
0: a little bit. me yeah. of Brett Favre, little gunslinger. I don't know. First of all, I don't know if he's as cool as Brett Favre. I know Brett Favre has like gotten completely uh, sort of, he's outside of the realm of cool now, and and I understand that, and, and I think he's made a lot of poor personal decisions. I think a lot of stuff that he's done is, at the least, cringe, and at the worst, uh, completely uh, immoral and deplorable. But, yes, yes, but. At at his peak, I'm just talking Brett Favre, the football player in the, the early 19, the 1990s. Player, just the player. He was such a happy-go-lucky, fun-loving guy. Josh Allen's got a chip on his shoulder for sure, but sometimes I think that gets overblown. Mm-hmm. Like you can be a let's freaking go guy and headbutt your teammates if you're Tom Brady and you don't throw 40 picks. Totally. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it is it is interesting. I don't know. I just think that Allen Allen's teetering right there. I think he's right outside that top tier. I think he's right there on the top of the second tier with guys like Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins. Guys that are good, but are they actually going to get you all the way over the top? The difference is though, I don't think Dak Prescott's ever getting any better than he is right now. I don't think Kirk Cousins is ever getting any better than he is right now. I do think Josh Allen still has a lot of hope because he is young. He's gone through a lot of turmoil there in Buffalo mm-hmm. given given the fact that they've had you know, first Brian Dable departs, then this year they fired Ken Dorsey as their offensive coordinator. So more than anything, I think they just need to help him out. Like he's got as good of an offensive skill set as anybody in the league, except a running back. Agreed. Like if you gave Patrick Mahomes, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Khalil, Sh- Khalil excuse me, Khalil no, Shakir, Shakir,
1: and Dalton Kincaid. He'd be killing it. Be killing it. He'd be better than their eight and three record
0: right now. But they don't want having any bully to run the ball. That it heightens the risk of Josh Allen throwing the ball over the place.
1: Well, that and and some of his, you know, you go back to intangibles things you can't coach, things like moxie and sometimes the lack thereof, with Josh Allen is also just decision making. Um, there's a there's a certain level of IQ that he is not displayed in certain situations that makes you question his ability to make decisions. But then when you have a guy like Brian Dable kind of pulling your strings like that and it's a pre-decision making kind of system that he was in that's what we get without having that 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 you know master of puppets so to say and Brian Dable behind a guy like Josh Allen
0: smart or dumb the New England Patriots should hang on to Bill Belichick and let him try to rework his magic dumb you think they should oust him dumb like look man The Patriots, to me, have, like, the most definable thing going right now, though. Like, Carolina's dysfunctional. Yes. New York Giants are beat up. Yes. The Chargers are poorly coached. Brandon Staley should get fired. Absolutely. The Bengals are real because Joe Burrow got hurt. Mm -hmm. The Patriots are the easiest one to diagnose, though. They just don't have any players. Their players suck. They have the worst talent in the whole AFC.
1: This is why Belichick should be done. But that's be- he because he is. So you're right.
0: He's the GM. He's the player personnel guy. He, he's the guy that's building the roster.
1: Well, that and his ability to get the most out of players that used to be castaways uh, from back in the day, that magic bag has been emptied. Yeah. And the fact that he can no longer do that with the same type of players that he has procured over the years shows you that that Fantasia hat, much like Mickey, needs to come off his head. What,
0: well, so what happens, though, if the Patriots finish with one of the worst records in the league? They get a top three pick and they can draft one. I mean, this next quarterback class is good. What if the biggest difference maker is just quarterback? What if it's just because Mac Jones
1: has been so bad? It's, it's, it's a generational f- I'm I'm 50 years old man in 10 to 12 years I will be irrelevant at my job because I will have such a disconnection due to my generational gap That's interesting and and, true. and and culturally Bill Belichick does not reflect the culture of this league It's true Right. And, and when you are not able all to good have things come to an end, all especially good for a football. Yeah. Conference. And that, and you know what? That's okay. It is okay. That's more than okay. And when you're not able to have that authentic connect, uh, connectivity, that like, that tissue with the players around you. And these guys are looking at more You're like the, dude, you were my grandfather's coach. You ain't <laughs> right. my coach. Like, right. And there's, there's a, there's a part of that. And with that, that synergy isn't matching and being mirrored either. So, you know, Bill Belichick loved him when he was a coach for my giants, helped, helped build a great foundation there in the early eighties through the mid-90s. Great coach, historically, Hall of Fame, let's go, accolades, ticker tape parades, I got you. But for this day and age, for where the league is headed and where the league is headed from this point going forward, Bill Belichick is just, he's hes a fogey, man. And no disrespect, and it's not an ageist thing. It's just sometimes it's time for you to just move on.
0: Oh, it is true. And the way that the modern generation reacts, I think it's a good point. I mean, Bill Belichick's now, he's about to be 72. I mean, guys like Sean McVeigh and... and uh Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. I mean, these guys are half his age. Totally. Sean McVay is my age. He's 36. Like, yeah. this is a totally different deal. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. It's interesting to see how th- that all uh, has evolved. Rajiv Seabrook kicking with us here uh, on New Audits Now ESPN Radio.
1: More smart, dumb. I miss it. <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, the smart or dumb. Yes. Even with this group of receivers and how up and down they've been, the Kansas City Chiefs are still the favorites in the AFC.
1: Mhm. Smarter, dumb. Dumb. I think so too. I right? think I think it's really dumb. I think that the lack of a Tyreek Hill, a lack of a a something to complement um, Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. I think Isaiah Pacheco's a good running back. I like the way he fits into that system. He's sweet. He, he's pretty sweet. But the receivers around Patrick Mahomes just they're they're second tier guys. These they can't kiss the ball. Dude, they couldn't catch. I mean, they're,
0: they're leading the league in
1: drops. They couldn't catch a goal, a, a cold butt naked <laughs> dripping wet in Antarctica. Are you kidding
0: me? Are you like they have, th- they have thirty-two drops as a team?
1: Dude, and, and I'd
0: say three quarters of them are because I mean Mahomes throws the ball as hard as anybody in the league. Right? Truth, they just can't catch they the can't heater. Ca-
1: and 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 I would say half of those drops
0: were surefire touchdowns. No, for sure, like, man. Like, I mean they they have lost two games straight up when he has thrown what would be the game-winning touchdown, and the dude dropped it. Kadarius Tony. I mean, no. it, Drops, who, who's drop. the other homie, Uh Valdez Scantling, the Packers guy. I mean, he's, he dropped two game-winning touchdowns this year already, and they're
1: eight and three. Son, you know what ham hams look like? Big pieces of hams. These guys have ham hands. Right. Like trying to catch hams. Hand. You're trying to catch balls with hands <laughs> for hands. It's ridiculous. I feel for Patrick right now because of the inability. It's not the unwillingness. Those guys are putting forth all the effort. You can see it physically, but, like, your hands are just straight garbage. Like, you need to come to Montana, dip your hands in a bucket of water, (laughs) go to WaGriz, and hit the jug machine, and then go back to Kansas City and win some games. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I
0: think it's—this is what's so fascinating to me about the NFL, though, is— as soon as we establish like a narrative that's like a, a conference-wide or a league-wide narrative that we believe to be true, then that gets thrown in our faces, right? Like coming into this year, you were thinking, oh my gosh, all of the the best quarterbacks are in the AFC. So all the all the best teams then are gonna be in the AFC, right? Because you got you got Josh Allen, you had Aaron Rodgers before he got hurt, you got Lamar Jackson, you know, you got Deshaun Watson before, Joe Burrow, you got, before Justin he got before got hurt. Herbert. Joe Burrow before he got hurt, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. Patrick Mahomes, you're thinking most of the great quarterbacks are in the AFC, so the AFC is going to be so stacked. Well, then Josh Allen's been so up and down. Aaron Rodgers busts his Achilles. John Watson's out for the year. Joe Burrow's out for the year. Trevor lawrence been lights out. That's why they got the He's best. been great. That's why the Jags, Jags got the best record in the AFC right now. Mahomes has been good, even though he, nobody's been helping him. And Herbert's been a mess because they're a mess. It's just fascinating how we established this narrative. We thought all the best teams are going
1: to be in the AFC, and certainly the Super Bowl wins are going to be out of the AFC. It ain't true, man. Well, because we hang on, we hang on to the past. It's true. We hang on. To, we do what's wrong with baseball contracts. Uh, no, it's so true. We and base the future off of what just happened no, in the past true. instead of dealing well, with what's in fluid time. Uh, and we
0: also, uh, I think sometimes it's hard to even to even absorb how fast the the NFL changes. Totally, because that narrative was true two months ago until everybody got hurt, and you know all these different things go up and down. Uh, okay, so more smarter dumb. We'll do a, two more AFC and then we'll do a little NFC. Proceed. Um, smarter or dumb. The Baltimore Ravens. Then are the best team in the AFC.
1: Right now, they are. They are hands down. They are. That's smart. And I and I think that um, they're they're doing it in a really kind of wonky way. And Lamar Jackson is he's never going to be that complete quarterback. He's going to give you flashes of of brilliance and and sometimes just some really. Like, why would you do that? That's what I do on Madden. Like, this is real life, but he's just always entertaining, and I think that Baltimore just does what Baltimore does. They they just they win. They win weird. They win ugly, but they just win. And I think that um, they they have something going there despite their lack of 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 like. Important pieces. When Odell Beckham's one of your better receivers at this stage in the game, like you're you're <laughs> you're you're in some dire straits in some situations, but they put the patches over the gaping wounds and there they are.
0: As long as Lamar stays healthy though, y- y- you take the good with the bad, I think.
1: And sometimes you get the ugly. Thanks, Clint Eastwood. I think uh yeah,
0: it's like I mean, Marty coached Lamar Jackson and he's talking about it frequently. He's like, Hey man, the good is so much better than the bad. Truth. And like he used to always say when he was coaching Lamar, hey, every once in a while he's gonna do something that's crazy. And it's gonna make you mad because he did something completely wrong and he ran the wrong play or he did this. Or, but half the time he does something wrong, he still gets eight yards. Totally, yeah. <laughs> and, and and freaking out on him for the you know the fifteen percent he gets wrong, it ain't gonna do it because all you need him to be doing is rolling. And if he's rolling, he's gonna figure out a way to, to lead you. Totally. In, and he's a winner, man. Like the national media wants to say, oh, he can't win big games, can't win playoff games. Whatever, man, he wins games. He's won so many games as a starting quarterback already. He's only twenty-seven years old.
1: Well, the the thing with me with uh, with with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore in particular is like he he in in ways he's kind of this generation's Andrew Luck. Hmm. Put better situations, put better uh, pieces around him. Think about this, man. The Colts didn't spend anything above a fifth or sixth round draft pick on offensive linemen the whole time Andrew Luck was there. Look what happened to Andrew Luck in that time. That's true. He got banged up, right? The fact that they have not invested in like top tier wide receivers for this guy has been like ridiculous. Say like, Flowers is
0: coming, though. He's pretty good for
1: a rookie. Right. But when you talk about the body of work that Lamar Jackson has had and the management yeah. and the draft picks and the trades, like, give this man more tools. Sorry, I I just, then I, because my parallel to that is a Dak Prescott. You've given this dude tools. All the tools. All the tools. Right. And he can't get past a certain, uh, um, a certain plateau. Yeah. So with that being said, like when you, when you're able to parallel two young talents of, of, you know, like that, if you put Lamar Jackson in Dallas. Right.
0: Son. Totally.
1: Son. Yeah. Right. For sure. Come on, man.
0: On well, been Radio, Rajim Seabrook kicking it with me, Colter Duanas here on this Friday. Hope you guys had a great week. Happy December, everybody. Yeah. Uh, last one on the AFC. They'll do a couple NFC quickly. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Denver Broncos are good. They are smarter, smarter, though. smart dude. Like, I mean, smart. like smart. Like how did this happen? You know why? Because people stopped talking about Russell Wilson. It's true, man. And Sean, I, you, I always I, I have to wonder if I mean the Broncos started zero three, mm-hmm. and at one point they were one five. Mm-hmm. Within that span, they'd. Given up 70 points to the Dolphins. They also gave up 31 to the Jets, and the Jets have scored nine touchdowns this whole year. They scored four against the Broncos. Mm-hmm. But you have to wonder if that was rock bottom and if they needed to hit rock bottom and then make their way back. Because now the Broncos are on a five-game winning streak, and that five-game winning streak includes wins over the Chiefs, the Bills, the Vikings, and the Browns. Those are four good teams. Yes. They're it's good. It's wild,
1: man. It just... We, people... We have this thing called an attention bias, right? We only hmm. want to pay attention to what we want to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And we want to pay attention to how bad Russ Wilson was. Uh, we want to pay attention to how moronic at times Sean Payton can be. But what we didn't do was give either one of them grace to acclimate and assimilate to each other.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that's and, now,
1: and now that the peanut butter has met the jelly mm-hmm. and everything is, is honey and bananas in between, we're starting to see what the mesh is, is, is creating. And... We going back to that attention bias, our our attention or lack thereof. Like we 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 want to swipe right and check the box right now. All right, and it's like give well, it, it, it time. It's and also
0: funny because it's way more fun to hate Russell Wilson than it is to give him praise.
1: For some, yes, I'm I'm a person who wants to give more grace. Like, no, I agree. I, I just think that we 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 just don't allow things to materialize. We yeah. want it we want it so now.
0: Oh, that's true. And there's also like a part of the just the industry of analyzing the NFL that is about talking about the guys that are struggling way like All the takes right now on national radio, I mean, we just did a whole bunch about Josh Allen struggling, Justin Herbert struggling, you know, the the guys that are underachieving, that's the scrutiny that comes across on the mic sometimes too, right? I mean, how often are you watching the Sunday pregame show and they're gushing about how great Trevor Lawrence has been? Mm -hmm. Not really. They're, all, they're only talking about how bad the Jets' offense has been. You know what I mean? So that's also just part of this, the way it goes.
1: That's the human genome. We no, focus true. on that's the negative. It's sand sports, like, it's easy to build asunder than it is to build up.
0: That's true.
1: Right? It's, it's, it's the old adage of you can bomb it to pieces, but you can't bomb it into peace. Right? <laughs> right. So there it is.
0: Um, okay, a couple NFC ones. The NFC is like a little bit more cut and dry to me. Philadelphia, I, I just think we kind of know exactly where we're at, right? I mean, that's, the Philadelphia is the the best team in the NFC. They're the best. They're the best team in the NFL right now. Period. I think the second best. I think the one A and one B are Philadelphia and San Francisco. Now that San Francisco is back healthy,
1: that's it, and you know what? That's that is what's going to either hold them back or propel them forward. Is the health of of so yep. when they're healthy, they're they're filthy. They are filthy. Like, you can't double-team anyone on that offense. That that defense, when rested, is just sick. And I just think that San Francisco, they're fun to watch. Like, I like watching this team um, win healthy, watch out. And I think that they're the only team in the NFC that can com- possibly compete um, with San Francisco. I mean, sorry, with Philadelphia right now.
0: What? Okay, so uh, smart or dumb, the Cowboys are overrated. I don't think... Uh, Cowboys are 8-3. and three. I'm going to give you their wins. Their wins are over the Giants, the Jets, the Patriots, the Chargers, the Rams, the Giants again, the Panthers, and the Commanders. When You win, you win. Their losses are to the Cardinals, the 49ers, and the Eagles. Mm-hmm. They're where they should be. They have played uh, two teams with winning records. That is the 49ers
1: and the Eagles. And well, they're 0-2. They're, to me, they're not overrated. They've won the games they were supposed to win. They lost... You know, two out of three games to the eventual NFC champions to yeah. come down the road. So, yeah. to me, Dallas is where they're supposed to be. Have yeah. they been exposed in some parts? Yes, they have. But they're also winning the games they're supposed to win. So, to me, not overrated. They're 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 doing the job they're supposed to be doing.
0: As we're recording right now, this is on a Thursday. You're listening to it on a Friday. So TBD what happens tonight against the Truth. Seahawks. But then then the gauntlet starts for the Cowboys and we're going to find out. Oh yeah, it's coming. They, they play the Eagles, they play at the Bills, they play at the Dolphins, mm-hmm. they play the Lions and then they finish up the season with Washington. So Yeah, stands Washington all playoff teams pretty much. Yes, sir. So and the and Seahawks might be a playoff team too, so we'll see how it goes we'll see. Uh, on this this uh Thursday night. Um okay, last one. I think we would both agree Eagles, 49ers, Lions and and Cowboys are right there are, are the the four best teams in the nfc then who's the fifth who do you believe in most the viking here's the other teams that are sort of in the mix vikings packers i mean the falcons and the saints because somebody has to win that division even though it sucks they're both five and six but they're leading the division it's like the mighty key car care bowl teams throw that out one of those two is going to be in the playoffs but neither one of them is actually going to make noise the other teams that are like in the mix though are the vikings the packers the seahawks and the rams who do you believe in the
1: most I believe in miracles, my friend. <laughs> That's what I believe. <laughs> That's what I believe in. Um, you know, I, I, I like how your Vikings are playing right now. They are playing Except with it.
0: Except for their... that just terrible performance on Monday. Oh, dude, the that, Bears. Yeah, that was yuck.
1: yuck. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I thought about you several times that evening. Um, I, I, I don't know. I need to kind of sleep on that. I want to have a response and not a reaction because none of it matters with with what's kind of in the in the middle of the pack um the
0: rams could be a team that's coming now that stafford's back healthy because Sean McVay is a great coach he's really good he just hasn't had the pieces needed um yeah they just got to be healthy if stafford's healthy cooper cups healthy then they an, can they can do it but right if, the complexion changes. They, i mean when they don't have stafford i mean they were like the worst, worst. when they when they were rolling with brett Ripon and they were losing 20 to 3 to the packers Ouch. it's like
1: yikes um I, and, you know, and the, the, what what I feel for going back to Minnesota is Justin Jefferson comes back, that changes things drastically. That's right. Um, you know, what I'm concerned with with Minnesota is, you know, you, you have a running back who hasn't scored a touchdown. Yeah, right. You and know, Alexander Madison. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's your starter. And uh, there's just other things that are going on there. But Justin Jefferson, you know, coming back, much like a Lamar Jackson, just changes everything for you. Um, so we'll see. So I'm going to say Minnesota.
0: Minnesota, I I think there's yeah man I don't know there, yeah, there's d- there's different ways everybody could go right the Vikings you know does Josh Dobbs hit the skids now that everybody's kind of knows he's not like a mystery guy anymore right the Packers are young so that they keep getting better like they look great on Thanksgiving the Lions look terrible but they look great on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. but like they've also looked just god awful sometimes this year too right, Jordan loves right. had mad growing pains. If the Ram, the Rams is simple. they If they're healthy, they they can be competitive. If they're not, they're just not going to be. And the Seahawks, I, I think the Seahawks are the hardest team to define in the whole NFL. Because I watched the Seahawks a couple times this year and been like, they're good. And then I've watched a couple times, are like, they're not any good. What's They're so strange, but they have six wins already. So...
1: I don't know. Yeah, the Seahawks are weird. Like you watch them from week to week, and they're the most uh, chameleon-like team for sure. Um, th- they play up to their level of competition, and sometimes they play down to their level for of competition. Sure. And they're for me, they're a hard team to watch because they're consistently inconsistent. And if you took the 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 you know the logos off their jerseys and helmets, you'd be you'd think you'd be watching three different teams on three different games. So to me, it's like, where are you at? Where's your identity? Where's your team's character? Because right now, it's really hard to ascertain where they're at, just visually watching them.
0: Grizz hockey back in town this weekend. Puck drops tonight, 8.30 from the Glacier Ice Rink. It's teddy bear night, so if you bring a teddy bear or a stuffed animal after the Grizz score their first goal, you throw it onto the ice, all those stuffed animals are going to be donated to the Watson Children's Shelter. It's a great Mm -hmm. uh, time of year for that. So uh, get yourself a teddy bear or a stuffed animal. Go on down to the Glacier Ice Rink and uh, then make it rain when the uh, Grizz score a goal. Donate to a great cause. They're also home tomorrow against Eastern Washington as well. 830 puck drop then as well. Jeff Safford, the voice of Grizz Hockey, has a little Grizz Hockey segment for us next. Keep it right here. Nu-on is Now, ESPN Radio. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschulteilaw.com. It's the one is
1: now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
3: Welcome back everyone. This is Newanez Now on one oh two point nine ESPN radio here in Missoula. This is Jeff Safford here with you, filling in for Coulter Nirnez. Shout out to Coulter Nijuanez out today because he's getting married out there in the mission out in the Mission Valley. So congratulations to Coulter and his new marriage and uh couldn't think of a better song to play for a marriage than Shout. I mean, come on. What wedding have you not been to that hasn't featured that song? Also, two-pronged. A little shout-out to all the Oregon Duck fans out there. Of course, if you're a Duck fan, you know all about that track famously in Animal House. The Ducks taking on Washington tonight for the Pac-12 championship out in Vegas. So, Sco Ducks. Hopefully, the Ducks can get it done against the Dogs tonight. Maybe find their way towards college football playoff but as we roll on here on what is now time to talk about some montana grizzly hockey you can find me and myself andrew houghton at the glacier ice rink later tonight 8 30 puck drop for the montana grizzlies tonight taking on eastern washington they'll be back in the glacier ice rink as well at 8 30 on saturday evening but montana special night tonight benefiting watson's children's shelter this evening the teddy bear toss so Bring out your teddy bears to throw on the ice. There will be some custom Grizz Hockey teddy bears for purchase as well, if you want to go that route. And all the teddy bears thrown onto the ice when the Grizzlies score their first goal tonight will be donated to Watson's Children's Shelter. So come on out. Support Grizz Hockey. It should be a fun couple of games. Eastern Washington and Montana already played twice this season, two wins for the Grizzlies out there in Cheney. And to get us ready for those Matchups with Eastern Washington, I was able to visit with Montana Grizz star, Case Balk. He's been around with the team the last, now, three seasons. And now here's this conversation I had earlier this week with Case Balk of the Montana Grizzly hockey team. Also, shout out to Buffalo Wild Wings for this segment. Buffalo Wild Wings will be streaming Grizz hockey if you can't make it out to the Glacier Ice Rink. Mike Anderson and the boys really like the Bird Dogs over there at Buffalo Wild Wings. So, shout out to them for all of their support for the 2023 and 24 season. Without further ado, here's Case Balk and myself, Jeff Safford, on is Now. ESPN Radio here in Missoula getting you ready for another weekend of Montana Grizzly Hockey opening up the month of December with a pair of games at home inside of the Glacier Ice Rink. This weekend's opponent, Eastern Washington, a team that Montana faced when they were just opening up the regular season out in Sheeney. Two wins for the Grizz there. And to start to get us ready for the matchup with Eastern, we're going to welcome in a guy that's been around the Grizz program since it got Back rolling three seasons ago. He was the team leader in goals. Two seasons ago, from right across from milwaukee wisconsin in the state of michigan right up there on lake michigan out of west olive michigan it's case Balk visiting with us case thanks for coming on for a few minutes yeah thank you for having me i truly appreciate it i'm excited now i know you're a michigan guy and recording this on a wednesday fresh off the thanksgiving weekend did you have some good turkey and did you enjoy um the game as it's called last saturday ohio state and michigan
4: Yeah, I actually had a really good Thanksgiving. I got to go home and spend it with my family. Really enjoy being back home in Michigan, especially to watch the game. Going back to back to back against Ohio State is something I thought I'd never see in my lifetime, so that was truly one of the best feelings is watching J.J. McCarthy walk all over Ohio State and Maserati Marv not doing anything, which is (laughs) really great to see. But I have a lot of respect for that Ohio State team. They
3: played really well, and they couldn't get it done against an interim head coach, which is even better. There you go, and everything going on with Jim Harbaugh and all the drama must have been cool to watch. Is there something about that rivalry that you see that's similar to the brawl? Looking at the cats and the grizz and everything that goes on with that rivalry, how similar are those two rivalries in terms of the build up, the hatred, and everything else?
4: I think they're pretty similar. They have a lot of aspects where most of the teams, they hate each other. Everyone hates each other. There's not many friends on it when you're on the field or on the ice or anything. So that's the one point where it's definitely like the cats and us do not get along and Michigan and the team from down south does not get along. And so it's just a bunch of button heads. And I just think that's where it really comes together. I just truly believe that like, even for that cat game next week, I'm pumped it's like everyone we're just ready to hate them the whole entire time it's i've been trying to get the guys in the locker room to believe in hate week it's like everyone's like all right it's hate week we don't have anything to do with them and we're here to beat them the whole entire time and that's what i really hope it can kind of turn into for our hockey team but even with the culture of like with the football team and all that it's really cool to see how much of a rival
3: there really is between the cats and the grizz Visiting with Case Balk of the University of Montana hockey team, as you can hear, he's already thinking about those matchups with Montana State coming up December 8th and 9th. December 9th, he'll be back in Missoula on the Glacier Ice Rink. But Case already looking ahead to those matchups and looking back at your last games that you played. It was before the Thanksgiving holiday, the Beehive Invitational, four games in as many days. How much of a grind is that physically just to be able to get through that to sort of a stretch
4: yeah, it's a, really a mental toughness battle for sure. It's You're playing four games in four days, of teams that you've never played before, and so even that first day that we played... Northern Arizona. Yeah, NAU, and they, they beat us up pretty good. We had a couple injuries right off of the start of that game, and that NAU team is a very physical team, so playing them in that first game was kind of hard. It's, they just kind of beat us up right away, and so we were a little struggled with that, but I think it kind of woke us up for the rest of the tournament and really made
3: us propel to be where we wanted to go at the end of that and being three and one. Yeah. And you kind of touched on it going through some trials and tribulations that first game real physical. There was a five minute major called in the third period of that game. A player for NAU was ejected after a big hit on Max Toyla, one of your best offensive players. But you alluded to it. You're able to come together and win three games in a row, highlighted by a very strong win in that morning game on Sunday against a very good Grand Canyon team. How big was it for you to be able to get those three wins?
4: I think that especially that Grand Canyon one is seeing that they beat the Cats the night before and the Cats being what their record is. I don't even care about their record. (laughs) It makes me mad to say things about it. But just notice that they beat them the night before. I think it gave our team a whole new heap a bunch of confidence and they're excited to get back against them just because it's like, all right, we beat a team that beat them. Like we can do this. And so I really think that grand Canyon game gave us a ton of confidence in the locker room.
3: Case block with us here. And see him playing oftentimes on the first line, the Montana Grizzlies, and mention it. This is your third season with the team, and you were able to be a part of that first iteration of the Grizz. And we asked this a similar question to Jackson Knutson, your team captain was in a similar spot. What have you seen in the growth of this program from year one, where you're kind of trying to meander through it, just get a team on the ice, to where you are now, a real solid team trying to make a run towards the national tournament?
4: Um, yeah, I can tell there tell you there's a huge difference for sure what our guys are doing on the ice, whether they're staying after for practice for a couple minutes and working on shots and working on extra little drills and stuff. from the first year to this year we didn't have any of that really. We didn't have like a total mindset of guys need to be in the gym all the time. Guys need to be working their bags off all the time and that's one thing that I think has really changed in the past three years that Mike's really, Pushed heavy on is making sure that we're working as hard as we can, just so we know that we get the right outcomes at the end of the year.
3: Now, for yourself personally, two seasons ago you were the team leader in goals. Last season had some injury issues, some off the ice stuff. Didn't have quite of the season that you wanted a year ago, and really. Didn't get off to as fast a start maybe that you would have liked this season, but it really seems like the last month or so, you've really started to find your groove, slap shots really going well from either circle, and yourself had a huge Beehive invite. What's led to the growth of your game this season?
4: Well, I've had to change a lot of things. Getting older in the game, you're getting to start playing with a lot more faster kids, and you gotta really just change your mental mindset of that I'm not the fastest kid on the ice and there's other categories that I really have to fill into and I've started to fill really more into those and I don't know, I'm kind of a superstitious guy, and when I went 12 games without a goal, I was losing my mind for my superstitions, <laughs> and I I was, like, trying to change everything. Like, I was cha- changing the way I was getting dressed and everything, and, like, finally when I scored, I think, against DU that first time, I, like, have kept everything the same since then. Like, I have not changed how I'm getting ready, like, what I'm eating, like, if or, like, what time it's at. Like, I'm a very superstitious guy on those type of things.
3: Well, being a guy that's been around baseball players with the Missoula Paddleheads, I can definitely see superstition leech into both sports. Do you think that that's something that you see in hockey quite often, the superstition? Obviously, you see it with goalies on game days, don't go anywhere near them, so to speak. But is there anything else unique in the game of hockey with superstition that might make other people go, huh?
4: Yeah, there's definitely, I know a couple of my buddies, even from back home, they, they have some weird superstitions. Like, well, even Pablo, he's got a couple weird superstitions. Like he like doesn't like the way he walks sometimes he like has to count out his steps and everything. So he doesn't like mess up his steps, like walking into the rink and everything. He's going to be mad that I called him out for that, <laughs> but he is a weirdo with some of those things. Like the way he doesn't, won't not take the same steps that he took before. If he played, like, a solid game, he'll have to park in the same exact spot. He'll have to walk in the same exact spot that he walked in, and he knows, like, the steps and everything. He's very odd. Like, it's just one thing that he gets his mind, like, ready for, and it's just like, I don't think I'm that
3: superstitious, but could be. Pablo Frank, scoring (laughs) goals and apparently tracking his steps. That's an interesting one, but... He seems to do a pretty good job scoring goals, so he's second on the team in goals. So I guess whatever works for Pablo, let it roll.
4: Yeah, I think it's a great thing. I, I honestly love watching him walk, too, because he just, like, will skip steps all of a sudden, and it'll just be like a little hop in his step or something. I'll be like, he totally was on, like, a, he doesn't like to walk on odd numbers, is what it is. Hmm.
3: Well. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> Case Balk with us here, looking ahead to this weekend, taking on Eastern Washington, a team you've already played against this season, but it was the first two games of the year for both programs. You've been able to watch them on film. Where have Eastern been able to grow since those early season matchups, and what do you expect to see from the Eagles?
4: Um, I really, hopefully, that they expect that they grew a little bit. Um, They had a couple guys that could definitely play the game, but... I really think it should be a weekend that we have a very solid weekend and put some points up for sure. But we can't come in thinking that we're just going to run the table the whole entire time. Otherwise, that's how we end up going to overtime with them. Like a couple years ago, that's just my number one thing. Is I, I can't let people like think that like oh we're just going to come in here and be a point night. Like that's I don't like that. And I think every team should be treated like they're you're playing the cats no matter what. It's kind of my mental mindset. So. I don't know. I just kind of think of it as another game, too. I kind of just think it's
3: playing the Cats and just go out there and give it everything. Now, you even mentioned the Cats. How do you look past looking at to those MSU games and staying focused on Eastern Washington?
4: More or less just kind of just go game by game and if I'm in the lineup, I know that I am trying to give my 110% every single time I'm out on that ice, and that's my goal of the night. As long as I know I'm doing
3: that, I can't be mad at myself. Now, Friday night is especially going to be a special one inside the Glacier Ice Rink, and the holiday season kicked off with the Teddy Bear Toss, benefiting Watson's Children's Shelter. Maybe touch on the Teddy Bear Toss tradition in the game of hockey and where you see it being special. Um, I
4: absolutely love the teddy bear toss. I think giving back to the kids after someone scores a goal, like the first, bear, all the bears going on the ice and everything after the first Grizz goal, I think it's one of the coolest things. done it in juniors and I did it in high school and I can say my high school one was spectacular. The whole entire rink was sold out. Every single kid had teddy bears and they were flying everywhere and like even just after though, like getting to bring them to those kids in the hospital and everything was one of the coolest feelings in the world, seeing those kids. Every single little kid light up with a huge smile on their face, just like this is my teddy bear now. Like and it, like they're happy to be just getting that teddy bear in the hospital, just someone to have around them, and it's a really cool thing to see that hockey does so much of it. Because I know last week Friday actually the Grand Rapids Griffins had a teddy bear toss, and they had a huge turnout, and actually. One of our family friends, his older brother, he played hockey at Grand Rapids Catholic Central and he passed away from a large heart. Wow. And he his younger brother started a foundation called Billy Bear Hug and what he does is he partners with all the companies that do like teddy bear tosses and everything and his group brings them all to the hospital and everything for kids to have and he's got like a bunch of high school kids all around there and so I've seen it a lot with him and with his foundation and I just think it's a really cool effort to give back to the community and Really make some little kids' days before Christmas and the holiday season.
3: There you go. If you want to give back with the Montana Grizzlies, be sure to come out to Grizz Hockey Friday night. They'll also be home on Saturday evening as well, taking on Eastern Washington. Puck drop both nights, 8.30 p.m. If you can't be there to join us for all the fun action, be sure to tune in on ESPN Radio as well as the ESPN MT app. We'll have you covered with all the hard-hitting Grizz Hockey action. Case Balk with us. Thanks for taking a few minutes. know you've had a busy schedule with your classes today, so thanks for taking a few minutes of your time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Rolling on on Nuanez Now in a few minutes. Stick with us on ESPN Radio. This is Nuanez
1: Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Nuanez Now. Coming to you live, 102.9 ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana or the ESPN MT app. You can also find us online. Go to 102.9 ESPN.com, click on Nuanez Now, listen live for the online audio stream. Happy to be with you here today. Andrew Houghton and Jeff Safford bringing in Nuanez Now, live from the Missoula Broadcasting Company studios in Missoula, Montana, Missoula Broadcasting Company locally owned and operated and proud to say so Coulter not in the studio today uh, but you wouldn't know the difference you heard him with Rajim Seabrook in the first segment thanks as well to Jeff Safford for that interview with Grizz hockey star Case Balk again Grizz hockey Taking on Eastern Washington tonight as well as tomorrow at the Glacier Ice Rink. Puck drop at 8.30 for both of those games, so go and check those out. We'll have that game. In fact, we'll have both of those games tonight and tomorrow here on ESPN Radio Missoula with broadcast starting at 8.15 p.m. Just like if Coulter was here, uh, we're switching some things around in the first hour. Like we said, we're bringing you the authentic Nuanez Now experience. Realized we were going to run out of time here in the first hour, so you'll hear from Cam Miller, North Dakota State quarterback, a little bit later on in the show. Of course, the Bison taking on Montana State in a, a FCS playoff game between Titans tomorrow, 1 p.m. in Bozeman. So we'll hear from Bison quarterback Cam Miller a little bit later on because we got to get out here in the first hour. A couple news briefs I wanted to touch on, though, real quick here. Uh, concerning the Big Sky Conference. First off, Tim Plough, named the head coach at UC Davis, taking over the Aggie football program from Dan Hawkins. Colter and I talked a little bit earlier in the week, uh, Dan Hawkins announcing his resignation a couple days ago. Rumors then seemed to point towards Tim Plough as the replacement, and now it's official, UC Davis making that announcement right before we went on the air today. So uh, in Tim Plough, Aggies got another Davis guy. He played there. He's a quarterback there from 2004 to 2007. Started his coaching career there. He's had a couple stints with the Aggies. Most recently, he was an assistant coach at Cal. But he was at Davis uh, up until 2021. And then he was the offensive coordinator at Boise State for for a year, an assistant at Cal for a year, now returning to his alma mater. Uh, It just seems like UC Davis wants to get UC Davis guys. I mean, that's what Dan Hawkins was. Now that's what Tim Plough is. Interesting uh, way to go for the Aggies there as they make Tim Plough the next UC Davis head football coach. One other thing I wanted to touch on, and you've been hearing about it in the Sports Center if you've been listening, but what an accomplishment last night for Rocky Mountain College men's basketball. Going to Bozeman... And knocking off the Montana State Bobcats 70-62, to 62, I'm sure we'll have some more analysis for you next week about what that means for a Montana State team in Matt Logie's first season uh, that two weeks ago was was going to Berkeley and beating Cal, uh, now losing to an NAIA team at home. But uh, just want to focus a little bit on what an amazing accomplishment that was for Rocky Mountain College. The Batlin Bears uh, were ranked 21st in the latest NAIA national poll, even though I think that game counts as an exhibition for them, have to think that they'll be moving up in that poll. Just uh, a a couple data points here as to how rare that is. MSU hadn't lost to a non-D1 team since 2005, so nearly two decades since the last time that Montana State lost to a non-D1 team. Rocky Mountain College had never beaten the Bobcats, So a great accomplishment for Rocky Mountain College. That'll do it for the first hour here on Nuwanez now. Second hour coming up, we'll lead it off with Carolyn, the chick who doesn't know sports. You'll also hear from Rajim Seabrook one more time, and then we'll fit that Cam Miller interview in for you as well as Cam Miller's North Dakota State Bison coming to the Treasure State to take on Montana State in a second-round FCS playoff game tomorrow at 1 p.m., We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Nguanez Now, 102.9 ESPN Radio.